Where do I begin? What do I say? Yesterday, I, someone came into the building to do some work and asked me how I was doing. And I said, I think this is the first time in my life where I understand so much more the phrase hot mess than ever in my life. I'm a hot mess. I've been struggling for a couple weeks to know what to say this morning, and you have just made it easier and harder. I listened to your singing this morning. It was just great. Made a list of things I wanted to say. list was too long. Pastor Wade, I've been trying to stretch their seating capacity for your sermons coming up, and they have resisted every chance, so you're going to have to break them in in fresh ways. So, I've decided to string you a necklace of pearls of ideas and truths, maybe some wisdom. I actually wrote this out last night so that I would not deviate too far from what I needed to say. Typically, you would hear this at the end, but I really need to start this morning with thank you. That's where it really needs to begin. And I need to say first, thank you to Jesus. That's where it starts who radically saved me out of religion. I thought I was saved. I was raised in a, in a mainline denomination church, and I believed, oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> and I believed, did you take one for yourself? I believed I was saved as all get up. I went to my first year of college defending my faith and I was as lost as all get out. I went home that summer, and before the service ever began, I was sitting in the balcony of my home church, and God met me and arrested me. And it's as close to a Damascus Road experience that I've ever heard, but he radically saved me that morning. I went home a changed young man. Went back to college that fall and within six months I sensed God's call on me to serve him in ministry. It was unshakable. Matter of fact, I said eventually to this girl that I had started dating, and I need to remind you of a few things this morning. The first girl I ever dated. I waited till college. I waited until God had gotten a hold of me. And I told her someday I want to go to Dallas Seminary and train. I never brought it up again until we were married for about six months and she said, why have you never applied to seminary? I've been waiting for you to ask me that very question. I realized that's how one of the ways I work in ministry is I, I plant seeds 
and see what germinates. I need to thank Jesus for challenging me to grow and providing me with a great education and mentors along the way to guide me into truth and ministry. I need to thank Jesus for directing me here to Grandview. Some of you go back that far, but many of you don't. But you don't understand as I was a broken and wounded minister. I had gone through a hard time. I rechecked my call to ministry. It was still intact. But I was hurting. And Tom McDermott found out that I was available. And what many of you don't know is that Tom and I were acquaintances. Barb and I and Tom and Carol would go to pastoral Christmas dinners together. And there was one year especially when I was serving across the river and Barb said, and I agreed with her, wouldn't it be great someday to serve with them? Tom took a chance. This church took a chance. And God used my brokenness to understand your brokenness. I need to thank Jesus for filling many of you full of his grace so that I could stay this long at this church. Because it's been your grace. And your grace has allowed me to invest myself in so many of you over the years. I need to thank Jesus for using me to influence many of you for kingdom service. And I'm not sure who has influenced who more, whether I have influenced you or whether you have influenced me. Some of you over the years have taken me aside and said, Brian, that, that was a numbskull thing. Brian, I think you're saying things about your wife that doesn't put her in the best light. And I've had people speak truth into my life to keep me on the straight and narrow. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to Jesus for allowing me to speak God's truth into your lives as I have been showered by God's grace and you have let it flow from me into your lives. I'm not, hear this carefully, I'm not going to miss preaching. I'm going to miss preaching to you. Because I know you. And as God works in my life, he tells me what to tell you. And that's been a marvelous situation. Secondly, I need to thank my wife and my family. My two kids are on video this morning watching this. 
I could not have done what God has called me to do without a supportive family who often over the years sacrificed for ministry. I, I can't tell you how many late meals that my wife has held for me, sometimes meals I have missed, late nights or long phone call conversations to help some of you. Now, as I say that, I'm not complaining. That's just been the price of ministry. My family has demonstrated God's grace through the pressures of real ministry. I have spent, now think about this, I have spent two-thirds of my married life with you came here, married 14 years and two children, and I'm going to lose it on this one. <laughs> Today's my wedding anniversary. Forty-five years married today. Most people wait to 50. And, and you threw us a party at 45 years, so thank you very much. With cake and cookies besides. You watched our kids grow up. And now we have eight grandchildren that I long to spend more time with. More time with my wife, more time with my children and their mates. It's been a ride. I need to say thank you to the staff that I have ministered with over these 30 plus years here. You've been a source of strength, challenge, growth and encouragement. You have shared ministry, and together we have increased God-honoring ministry in this place because we have yoked together for the sake of the gospel. As a staff, we have battled Satan side by side. We have pleaded with God for strength for ourselves and for you. We have asked God to heal our body, Grandview, as a staff, we have laughed and cried as families. And God has blessed us richly through our work together. I need to say thank you to you, the family of Grandview. I am so blessed and grateful to be a part of this church. I think one of the blessings that I realized a few years back is God has allowed me to work with, to know, to understand families in this church. Now think about this, that I have worked with for four generations. And then I was thinking last night, 
There's one family I've worked with for five generations now. I have watched these parents, these grandparents, these great-grandparents, the oldest generation that I first got to know 30 years ago, pray for their kids and pray for their grandkids and live out a life of faith and trust. And they have faithfully passed down their faith generation to generation. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing all these four-generation families who have, who have stayed true to the faith. And you need to applaud God here for those families who continue to move our faith forward. Amen? I'm watching the faith of those senior saints being lived out in great-grandchildren. And that, as I remember back to some of those early years, their prayer was is that their kids and their grandkids would still be in the faith. And now I'm watching the great-grandkids living for Christ. What a blessing to watch and also to nurture that process here in this church. Thank you, Grandview. My wife and I have developed a number of forever friends within this church, and you know who you are. Now, I say that. A few years ago, I was accused of having favorites. Okay, I confess. I do. You're all them. You're all my favorites. And as your needs at times got strong and I had to come alongside to help and to encourage, that favoritism showed from time to time. But I think as I scan the audience, so many of you, I have been to hospitals and special events and phone calls of concern. I have watched so many of you embrace God through the tough times and you've grown in faith and grace. I have watched God change you from the inside out. And together, we have all embraced the messiness of our lives. Amen? Wait a minute, I didn't hear you. Amen? Because if there's someone here not messy, this is not your church. We're all messy, including your pastor and his family. We all struggle. And I've been so thankful that we have, over time, removed more and more of the masks. And we're living authentically and at times vulnerably with one another. We're not trying to put on airs. We are all beggars. And in this messiness, we've encouraged one another to keep pursuing Jesus. Amen? That's what we're here for. 
We have accomplished so much ministry that God has placed before us. We have watched God save person after person. We've watched God grow us up and others up around us through the working that has been through this power of the Spirit in this place. I need to thank you as a family for trusting me with your lives spiritually. I don't think you understand how serious I take that to make sure that what I am teaching and preaching is based upon God's Word, that it is true, that it is applicable to your life. You've allowed me over the years, over all these years, to speak truth and grace into your lives. And thank you. I think you need to know that I have come to love you. And you have reciprocated with your love for my family and I. We don't take that lightly. So those are the thank yous. I, I wanted to get that out at the front end because often it seems to be tagged down, but my heart is so full this morning of God's blessing. But let me give you some truths from my life. Things that maybe I have mentioned in messages or I have spoken to the elders about. And maybe you need to know some of the secrets of who I am. Early in life as a believer, God laid upon my heart 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. And I memorized it years ago in the New American Standard so I don't have the ESV down. I make it my ambition, whether at home or away, to be pleasing to him. And that has become, many, many years ago, my life verse. And the question that dogs me almost on a daily basis is this very simple question. Will he be pleased? That has kept me centered. That has kept me focused spiritually. In what I am doing, will Christ be pleased? As I then entered into ministry, God gave me a ministry verse that has been my north star, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, for this I labor, struggling with all the energy that he powerfully works within me. If you haven't figured it out by now, knowing that this was my last year, that's been our present year verse. That's been a guiding north star 
as I have tried to stay true in ministry. We proclaim Christ, amen? We proclaim Christ and no one else. And we are warning and teaching with as much wisdom as we know possible because I want all of you to be as mature as possible in Jesus Christ. And there are some days and some weeks and even some months that it is a struggle. Some of you are wayward sheep at times. Do I hear an amen on that? <clears throat> some of you nip at my heels. Some of you thumb your nose at God and His will and say, I know what God's will says, but I don't want to do it. Well, I understand that. Because I'm just as human as the rest of you. But we struggle on. We continue to grow and change. And based upon those two passages, the, the little moniker that I stole from someone else has guided me probably the last 10 years here. Two simple sentences, teach truth and love well. I mean, I don't know how more you can boil down ministry. Make sure you teach the truth and make sure that you love like Christ wants you to love. Thank you. Matter of fact, I have said to the elders, I know that Jim Peterson reminds me of this at times. About once a year, I kind of unplug for an hour or two, and I, and I go to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And I ask God to please evaluate my life in light of those nine traits. And it's amazing how every time I sit down to do that, he shows me what is the deficiency that he wishes to work on in my life. That's a great list. He continues to work. Another truth that I embrace is God's grace is unlimited. God's grace is unlimited and more than sufficient for each one of us. You can't outsin God's grace. And so often we forget that. We condemn ourselves. We condemn others. And we forget that all of us are recipients of God's grace every day. Every day. Another truth. Ministry is never neat and tidy. Neither are we and neither are our lives and neither is my office. Okay, I'll just put it in there now. Let's just put it in there. 
we must learn to live with a level of messiness. Amen? In ourselves? Messiness with others? We, we can't we can't put up this perfection and expect people to measure up. We must learn to fix the log in our own eyes and then you can help a brother or sister in Christ with this little speck of sawdust that is in their eye. Almost a direct quote of Matthew 7, 1 to 5. Would you remember to deal with your own sin first? Once you do, you have the opportunity to help others. Another truth. God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. Learn to trust Him. I'm going to steal a little thunder for next Sunday from to today. Joyce was gone this week, and so it was my responsibility to type up the, the bulletin insert that you all have. And as I was looking over things, we've gone through a life, a, a year of, of, I should say, six months of COVID. We have struggled to get back to be where we are today. Today ends our fiscal year. Today. September 1st starts the new year. What kind of finances is God leaving for Pastor Wade and future ministry? Our budget for the year was $418,000. That was the budget for the year. The giving towards that budget, your faithfulness, was a 411,008 as of last Sunday. That doesn't include today, folks. Now, I don't know what you've put in the boxes back there, but I'm guessing we've made budget. We haven't spent all of the budget. We have been prudent. But God has supplied fiscally financially all the funds that we needed and when the budget was built last september we had no idea that covid was going to hit us i've talked to many church leaders i've talked to our district office and i said recently we've been running about 60 to 70 percent of our pre-covid attendance presently and they said that is almost unheard of in our district that's that's God's faithfulness it's God's faithfulness 
And then when I see these figures to say God's taken care of the needs of this church through your faithfulness, it just made my heart want to explode all over again. Thank you. Another truth. Would you please obey what God shows you to do? Whether it fits in your plans or not, do what he says. You will be blessed for your obedience. I have learned this over many years. Sometimes it's very inconvenient. Sometimes I've been asked to do things that make no sense. But I've said, okay, Father, I will do that. Another truth. Continue to grow in your love for God, for one another, but especially for the lost around you. I remember a, a sermon that I preached a few years back and I had more people come up to me say, Pastor, that was one of the hardest messages you've ever preached. And what was the message? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Why? Because Christ is going to be seen in you as you love them. The last truth, the last thing I say to you, pour your love into the Waltons. You will not be disappointed. I am looking forward to following what God is going to do through this new family. I'm going to miss, over the years I have missed, as people have passed on to glory, who would say to my wife and I, uh, we're praying for you. Received a card recently, we're prayed for every day. Others in the past who said, I pray for you and your family every Wednesday or every Thursday. What a blessing. The Waltons need your prayers. Not just Pastor Wade, but the family. And as you support them, as you love them, as you listen to them, as you follow their lead, you will be blessed. I'll tell you right now, Wade and I are not the same men. Amen? Don't compare us. You're going to be doing yourself a disservice. Pastor Wade is going to bring 
gifts and strengths and temperament that are different from mine. Just like I was different than Pastor Tom. I'm seeing people say amen to that, Tom. You see that? <laughs> what was that from the peanut gallery? Okay. Tom said he was the, pole, the bull in the china shop. And I was the gentle servant who swept it up. Both were necessary. And Pastor Wade's going to bring gifts and skills that are necessary to take this church to the next level. So this is a necessary ending for me. But it is a glorious start for Pastor Wade and his family. It is a glorious new chapter in the life of this church. If I wasn't already on the edge when I saw Pastor Tom get out of his car this morning, I lost it. Because I love him. And as we reminisced out in the parking lot, between the two of us, we have, we have served this church as senior leaders for 40 years, the two of us combined. And to put that in perspective, that's almost a third of the life of this church. Pastor Wade, I pray that your longevity matches ours. You will have a few scars to show from the sheep. A few stories. But you will know in a fresh way God's grace as you serve here. This is a pretty good corral. Sheep have been hand-selected by God himself for this place. And there are great things that I'm looking forward to hearing in the years to come what God has done in and through all of you working together. We have done some great things in the past, but can I tell you, we're not going back to where we once were. COVID has seen to that. Life is different. And as we retool and as we now head out under new senior leadership, we have new vistas, new things to accomplish. And God wishes still to use this church in the life of this community. I, I, I keep reminding myself because of your giving, because of our partnership with TTI, that we are planting overseas at least one new church a month as, a, as this fellowship. 
And we've been doing that for probably seven, eight years. And some of those years, they've matched our funds and we planted two a month. That's going to continue on. But God has some things he wishes to do here in the Quad Cities, here in Davenport, here in this neighborhood for his glory. So thank you. Thank you for the blessing that you have been to my wife and I and our kids. If you haven't heard, we're not moving. We are not, sorry, son, our son and daughter, sorry, we're, we're not moving to Nashville. I'm going on record. Now, we're going to visit them a lot. We're going to go down there for lengths of time and we're going to become odious in their eyes. And we're just going to... And we'll finally say, okay, it's time to leave. And, <clears throat> and the grandkids will say to us, and when are you coming back? And we'll schedule something. So we'll be around. Many of you are going to be, still be friends as long as you call me and not talk about church, I will talk for you as long as you'd like. But this is now Pastor Wade's responsibility, headache, and joy. Yes. It's been exciting to watch the search team work to pull this all together. And before we close, I need Pastor Wade to come up here. This isn't your installation service. Please have a seat. Please take off your shoes. Pastor Wade, I'm committed to serving you and your family. If you ever see me step out of line, you tell me. But my heart is to see you serve this church and serve the Lord with the least amount of encumbrances from me. So I'm going to do everything in my power to see you succeed. Um, this is the staff, the shepherd staff of authority, the shepherd staff of care. And so I now hand this to you. That's yours now.
very quickly, I want to say this to you, and um, this is not, I'm sorry, everybody else gets to hear it, but I'm going to say it to him, okay? This is not a uh, thing I take lightly. I want you to know I, I appreciate your presence and your prayers and your support. You got it. You got it. Please be seated.